okay, so... <laughs> the reality is, we're doing this two-part show, and we're recording right now on Monday, and we don't know if we're gonna have to come back here and be like... So, that didn't go as bad as we thought it would, or woof. Like... Are we gonna come back and be happy? Or are we gonna come back crying? Yeah, and I, and I think, um, you know, like really big important part, you know, Ohio RCRC, we are not um, a partisan organization. We don't uh, take sides or advocate in elections, but it's pretty clear as individuals who work for reproductive freedom that there is a pretty stark difference in the policies that are going to happen depending on who gets elected in this election. And I think there's also the understanding that every person who's listening to this right now, obviously on Monday of election week, um, have certain hopes for what's going to happen on Tuesday and maybe that we might actually know some outcomes by I don't know Wednesday Thursday Friday um what 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 do you think the chances are right now that we're gonna know like for sure we're gonna know who won the presidential election by the time this airs on Friday of election week what's your over under right now I'm going to say maybe we'll know, but it, like, won't be by as much. Yeah. It, I would say it's, like, going to be, yes, we'll know, but, like, maybe it could change. Who knows? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I really hope, I really hope that it's more secure than that, but, like, I don't know. The thing that I've been more concerned about and I've been thinking about more is, like, what is going to be the reaction from people regardless of, like, um, the outcome. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I saw this meme, or this meme, I saw this, uh, TikTok where, um, this guy was like, Trump wins, riots, uh, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ people, um, protesting, all that happens. Uh, Biden wins, <laughs> and you get, like, the white supremacists, uh, the, like, possibly people from the KKK, these people, the Proud Boys, like, all these people, riots, protests, all of that happens. And then, if we don't know what happens, then... I mean, there's still going to be some stuff going on. So I haven't really thought about, like, when are we going to know? Um, I've more thought about, like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen when something happens? Yeah, because I, I think there's a distinct possibility that if there's not a blowout, right, if there's not, like, um, you know, a major shift in the polls or a polling error or something that, like, just grossly... Um, grossly skews the outcome in the polls as opposed to what actually happens on Tuesday, we might not know for two weeks. 
I mean, we're in the state of Ohio where as long as you get your absentee ballot postmarked by the day that we are recording this first part, you know, Monday before election, um, as long as you get your ballot postmarked by the Monday before the election, it can be received up to 10 days after the election and still be counted. So we could get to a point where on election night, all the results that were cast on, on election day and the early vote uh, comes in in Ohio, and maybe it's right down to, to the wire. You know, maybe you've got one candidate leading the other by a smaller margin than the total number of votes that are outstanding. In the state of Ohio, that means we just have to wait because there's no, like, there's not a daily count that's going to happen um, for people bringing stuff in. Uh, it, it literally, it just pauses in time until 10 days later when they open up all the ballots. Um, you've got a lot of other states that are in, in similar situations, different days, different requirements, but you never know. Um, the, the other struggle is you've also got local races, right? In the state of Ohio right now, we've got, um, you know, a portion of the Senate, the Ohio Senate, up for re-election, and the entire Ohio House. Um, lots of interesting uh, possibilities could happen there. We might not have any clarity. Um, and as you said, Kelly, you know, what happens when people get upset and they don't get the outcome that they want? Um, I, I do have to say though, like for me, I, I don't see riots in terms of yeah. the, the way that a lot of the advocacy groups have, have been operating. We certainly have not seen quote unquote riots in Columbus. Uh, there, there have been some shady things that have happened by a couple of people. Like, you know, some folk went in and, you know grab stuff out of stores and that kind of stuff, but it was not widespread by any means. And it certainly wasn't orchestrated or organized. I mean, if anything, it yeah. was the least organized thing that happened. Um, I mean, I'm not saying yeah, that there's yeah. riots. I'm a, I was just quoting that the TikTok. Yeah. Um, they said riots. I don't know if I would use the term riots um, for anything that I've seen organized by at least the progressive folk um, in Columbus. Uh, so I I don't expect that, but like I'm kind of just like trying to be prepared for what in what ways I will need to be mm. involved and in what ways like I will need to show up in the coming days. And I, I know a big part of our work with Ohio RCRC is just getting ready for no neglect november we're we're excited yes. that no matter what happens we know that everybody needs some soul care because who doesn't need some healing right now um you know as mm -hmm. as staff members at ohio rcrc we are we are tired we are weary from the pandemic and and other things and uh you know we said other folk probably are feeling the same way. So we, we have a whole slate of really great self-care options for November because you gotta take care of yourself. Ain't nobody else gonna do that work for you. Um, so regardless of who wins the election, we can all take care of ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think like self-care right now is like super important. Um, I, 
there's just so much to be anxious about and so much to be worried about. And one thing that I've been compli- I've been contemplating um, is like how much is it worth it for me to worry about mm. this thing? You know, regardless of like whether or not I'm worried about uh, there being protests and like knowing what my reaction should be, like those the the things that are going to happen are going to happen regardless of if I worry about it um and so I can just you know try to be prepared as much as possible but also not allow that anxiety to overcome me because it's just not it's not worth it um yeah (laughs) and I'm gonna have things to actually be worried about later so I might as well just try to be calm now. I know that my vote got in. I know that my friends voted. I know that I, you know, did my part in that way. Um, I turned in my husband's absentee ballot to the, to the box. So like, those are the things that I can control that will affect the outcome and like my participation in it. And, um, since I personally am not involved in the organizing of what happens after the election, I just need to wait for the the words of wisdom from people who are organizing that. And then when they say go, I'll be ready to go. Uh, but for now, there's like no, there's no use in using that um, mental space to just like worry about. What's Absolutely. Going on. I, I talked to... Or... <laughs> I also say that and recognize that, like, it's yeah. not always completely possible we, we, to do. We put good intentions out into the world, right? Even even if we're not yeah. following them right off. I, I talked to my parents uh, here yesterday, and they are both residents of rural Pike County, Ohio. And I said, so, I said, what are, what are you doing to prepare for the election? And uh, Dad said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, are you, are you preparing for, you know, anything? Are you getting ready for the night? And he goes... Well, no, not really. I mean, you know, they went to the chiropractor. They dropped their uh, their ballots off at the ballot box. He said, uh, no, he said, we banked our votes, which I thought was a great way to say it. You know, we banked our votes. And he said, and uh, we'll uh, hope for the best. And I, I had to chuckle about that because it was like, well, you know, what else can you do? I'm, I'm working the polls on election day because... Um, you know, being 36 and uh, knowing that we needed poll workers, I said, I, you know, I'm in good enough health. I think I'm going to go do my civic duty, uh, try to sanitize as much as possible because, you know, we got to make sure people are healthy. But I went out this morning. I, I got a haircut so I'd look good at the polls tomorrow. I uh, stopped by and picked up uh, a delivery at Kroger. I've got my uh, got my oranges for my old fashions and I got some champagne because I'm going to be drinking mimosas no matter what happens because everybody needs a mimosa every now and then right as part of my religion Um, and that's that's about all I'm prepping to do right now because we know that people like the Election Protection Coalition are going to be on the case Um, those are the 866R vote people if you've heard all of their advertisements um, you know, we've got a lot of good people working in this state, working all the angles of this. We've been working at Ohio RCRC to get people out to vote, but we've got people now working to make sure the vote's protected. And, 
you know, Monday before the election, I feel like that's about all the more I can do. I'm going to be calling every last person I know, uh, making sure they voted, <laughs> you know. But I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm just kind of waiting for what's next. Yeah, uh, I I got my hair braided, so I don't have to worry about my hair for the next at least month. Um, I I also I bought some whiskey and um, some sparkling wine because why not? Um, and yeah, just uh, trying to not worry about it as much as I possibly can. So for, for all the podcast people, um, we're, we're not alcoholics. We promise. We just, <laughs> we just, we just definitely want to make sure that we have a little, little whiskey and uh, get, send us, send us your, um, your favorite alcoholic drink or non-alcoholic drink, your favorite mixed drink recipe. Send us your favorite mixed drink recipe at OhioRCRC. Org. I think that's info at ohiorcrc.org. Our executive director is going to love yeah. getting recipes for <laughs> alcohol in the uh, yeah, in no the inbox. You. you can also... Or just like, what do you drink for yourself, yeah. Kara? I, I like tea. Um, sometimes I put honey in my tea. Um, I have been drinking lots of water. Some people, you know, do like fruit infusions. And I think those are really good. You know, way to spice up your, your water intake. Um, but I also, you know, really enjoy a hot toddy. So that's, that's good. And, um, I had a, I had a dear parishioner. I would say her name, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to violate anything here, but a dear, dear parishioner who, uh, died of cancer here a few years ago, who was like the most indomitable spirit in the world. She's a retired nurse and she would invite me over when she'd say, why don't you stop by, you know, when you're out visiting other people, just stop by sometime and, and we'll have ourselves a little ice cream. And she would have, in the middle of the day, this woman had coffee ice cream and she would drench that sucker in like half a cup of Kahlua. And we would sit there and eat. Nice. And, you know, it, it was an interesting part of the day because, you know, I'm a man of a certain size, so that worked out well, but she would, she would get pretty... Pretty, pretty good to go, but that, that was spiritual self-care for her because, you know, it's a treat. It's something fun. I want to know what everybody who's listening to this does for that, like, decadent self-care moment in their life. I really revolve around food because it's part of my culture, but I'm sure, like, somebody somewhere is going to tell me that their, like, favorite self-care thing is to go on a long run or something like that. And God bless you. Um, I, I will listen and, and hear that and hold that. Um, but it's probably not going to become part of my practice anytime soon, you know. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so uh, actually that, that reminds me. Um, so for my own personal self-care, like my, my own uh, like decadent moment of self-care, it's like I like to do a lot of skincare things. So I'll usually do, um, you know, there's like a certain... Uh, way that you can do masks so you're supposed to put like the uh clear clearing one the clarifying mask you put that on first you let that do its thing and then you do like a moisturizing mask then i'll moisturize my face um and do stuff like that and then um another thing i like to do um is light candles and um set some kind of intention when i'm lighting my candles um and 
So, you can you can see this, Terry, but the people who are listening to well, the people who are listening to this part of our election stuff uh, cannot see it, but you will see it on uh, Wednesday when we do the video, um, or when we release the Wednesday video. Regardless, I have candles in my background. And I have this calendar right here. And I got it from this little shop that I really love called Wildcat. Or no, it's called, yeah, it's called Wildcat. It used to be called Holy Craft, um, but now it's called Wildcat. And so for um, October, it says give more than you get. It's a like self-care um, calendar, which I bought this not knowing that I needed it. It's called Show Up For Yourself. Um, but November, isn't this <gasps> fitting? It says endure. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, um, I just flipped that over yesterday. I did kind of like a little, uh, personal ritual for All Saints Day. Um, and I flipped it over and saw this and I was like, wow, mm. how serendipitous. Um. <laughs> love it. So, yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Um. I think it's definitely a time of enduring, and I've been doing a lot more, uh, kind of like just personal ritual around taking care of myself and um, trying to get rid of bad vibes. You know, so. you saying enduring and then mentioning bad vibes just like clicked a thing in my head. Have you seen? These crazy, crazy anti-abortion people who are out harassing people at oh the polls. Oh my goodness. Like, at, like, you know, we're on... I don't understand how that's legal. The BS at Franklin County Board of Elections, and frankly, lots of other Board of Elections too. I mean, they've been at Hamilton County, they've been at Summit County, they've been all over. These angry, angry, angry anti-abortion people linked up with the, the 40 Days for Life, the, the Catholic Mafia mess... Uh, of people coming out yelling at people about abortion while they're standing in line to vote. I mean, good grief, people. I just give it a rest, you know? I feel like I've, I've been watching a lot of, my part of my self-care is re-watching Designing Women because I, I love that show from the 80s, right? And Delta Burke's character is just, she's so funny because when she just gets fed up with people, she just goes, well, good grief, right? Um, that's how I feel at some of these people yelling and they got the little rubber babies and all this stuff about people like come on people you you can't sell that that bs <laughs> see i i got it that time you can't sell that bs outside of our abortion clinics you certainly cannot sell that bs outside the board of elections like people aren't buying it no matter how loud you yell they ain't buying it like and honestly it just feels like like I don't know. Maybe this is like over dramatic, whatever. Um, well, it feels like voter intimidation, but it also kind of, for me personally, feels like a way of, you know, getting progressive people to not want to vote. Because, um, well, as a timid progressive person, in the in the few years that I've lived in Columbus, I've never looked forward to seeing the anti-abortion people. Um, I would say that like my own. Um, journey towards being a reproductive justice advocate has you know I've not always been like as strong as I am now um 
so but even back when I wasn't as strong as a reproductive justice advocate like I was not enjoying having the anti-abortion people there because they are not only like spouting their beliefs at people but also they're just like scary <laughs> like I don't know the I remember um my first year voting um in Columbus they have like this big picture or whatever and uh yeah it just made me not want to be there it made me want to leave and I feel like that's kind of like suppressing my vote like you know if you're making the environment uncomfortable enough that like I will do anything to get out of that situation there might be some people who like I felt a few years ago but I stood my ground and was able to vote um might decide that like this like having people yell at you while you're trying to vote is not worth your time and then you end up not voting 100 percent. and i i think it's important for us to remember that just because something isn't classed as voter intimidation by the law doesn't mean it's not voter intimidation right the only reason we have a classification of voter intimidation is because people said hey you you really ought to prevent some of these things from happening right and i don't think people should have to endure that kind of crap in line there there's a law in ohio that says there can be no outside influence within 100 feet of the polls or within 10 feet of anyone who is in line if the line extends past the the 100 foot mark well of course the intent of that law is that most of the time the line should not extend that far. Well, good luck today because we gotta have six feet between everybody and you've got unmistakably huge numbers of people trying to vote. We, we've yeah. gotta reform those laws. We, we've gotta have some protection for people who just wanna stand in line to vote. Especially when you're standing in line, you know, 45 minutes, an hour. How, how long did you stand in line to vote? Uh, an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, like... I, I've, and I've seen the new lines, and they are much longer and, than what I waited. And the fact is, an hour and 20 minutes, 20 minutes, five minutes of that junk is traumatic, right? Mm -hmm. you, you might not want to say that it's voter intimidation, but it's definitely voter trauma. You know, it's definitely traumatizing people in ways that never needs to happen. Ever, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. Yeah, and I, I just don't, I don't understand how that's allowed, how that's, it's just a lot. It's a lot. Mm -mm -mm, it's a lot. Um, and I'm just glad that, like, you know, I was lucky enough that when I voted, they weren't there, which was uh, just... Not last Friday, but the Friday before. So I think it's really interesting that they're waiting until, like, the the week before the election to come out in droves. Um, like, I, I just had, like, several of my friends who voted on Saturday um, send me pictures of the, the stuff that was going on there. As well the as, like, airplane, right? They had a yeah. helicopter, the airplane, yeah. fly, like... These folk have way too much time, effort, energy, and money on their hands 
to be, I mean, we're out here just trying to get people to like help pitch in some money so folk can get necessary medical care. Like, do you understand how many abortions it would take to rent a helicopter? Like, like how, how much a rented helicopter could pay for in terms of reproductive care? My Lord, <laughs> come on folks. It's like you could be doing so much better with your time. Even like, like, you could be donating that money to like, you know, orphanages or like something towards, you know, children who, who for some reason or another don't um, have like families to go home to who are in like bad situations. That, all that money that you're putting towards a helicopter who is, it's not going to like change anybody's mind. I mean... I can't think of a single person whose mind was changed by a helicopter. But I know uh, a lot of people who the, shared it, that picture and said, know, look at these idiots. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And one thing I got to say, though, I do appreciate the honesty. Because I saw some pictures where they say, like, vote anti-abortion. Right. And I was like, at least you're telling the truth. Because you're not yeah. pro-life. Like you said, like we've said like um, before in here, uh, they're not pro-life. They're anti-abortion, anti-abortion extremely extremist geez um and at least they're being honest about it and i was actually surprised that they had anti-abortion on there um i just don't oh gosh i um i was listening to the daily um on spotify and last week a person from ohio was on there um i can't remember her name right now um, but, uh, one person that she was talking to in this little episode of the daily talked about like how in the past her issue was abortion, like the, the thing that she voted on, like her single issue was abortion. And so she ended up voting uh, third party in 2016 and this year she's not voting for third party. She's, um, voting a Democrat and like she it wasn't that like the it was like her her mind had changed around abortion not that um like anybody had convinced her either way it was just that like her her experiences her the people that she had met with like changed changed her mind around abortion and like just thinking about that that lady whose name I also forget um, and how, like, that became a process of, like, going from a single issue being, uh, anti-abortion to changing her mind around abortion and recognizing it as people's individual choice. Um, I don't think that she would be convinced by a, <laughs> a vote anti-abortion, uh, airplane in the sky or even, like, the grotesque images that anti-abortion um, extremists like to well, show to people. To and, to and frankly, and frankly, I think she has been convinced by those things to not support the agenda that their promoters yeah. are are hawking. You know, because they yeah. they they serve as this kind of enduring testimony that the anti-abortion crowd is desperate right now. Because they know yeah. that they are losing the long-term cultural social battle for control over people's bodies. 
you know, there, I, I often get people in my spheres of influence who say, oh, it must be hard, you know, constantly like going up against these, you know, anti-abortion people. And I have to remind people like the anti-abortion people are not, um, you know, kind of our adversaries because we're not locked in a, a common battle, right? My number one adversary is anybody who's going to stand in the way of equitable, just, and affordable health care for every person in the state of Ohio. These anti-abortion people, their adversaries are anybody who advocates for something other than totalitarian control of, of people's bodies. And I fall into that camp for them, but they are not my enemy by any stretch of the imagination. They would have to do a lot more uh, work effort and care to get characterized as an enemy for me. Um, I just find them to be an absolute annoyance, you know, and, and a pest and a trauma for people who don't need pests and trauma in their life, you know? Mm -mm. Sure. Mm -mm. It's just because, like, and um, it's just a lot. Like, I, uh, and I've said this in, I don't think I've said this on here, but uh, I, like, am very questionable about anybody who's, like, so aggressively for something um, that they are, like, willing to to be this, like, I don't know, it feels violent, you know, the way that they have these flags and uh, intimidate you at the polls. Like, um, I, regardless of the issue, but especially on abortion, like, I deeply question the the motives of people who are that aggressive and I've said to people in the past that like I don't understand like standing standing you know like being you understand yeah standing, right yeah I'm <laughs> I just not wanted to make that, sure that old the... I mean come on do you understand standing <laughs> come on I am a stand for John Mulaney I I am okay. behind John Mulaney no matter what I, I say okay. that and like tomorrow he's gonna come out with some you know horrible scandal that I'm gonna have to disavow. But like mm -hmm. you know, that's like yeah. so so I don't understand people who are like stands of uh, people like especially political figures. Um, I wouldn't do that because like I understand that people are fallible and can make mistakes, and I want to be able to. Uh, decide later that I don't like them if they've done something that's wrong. So I don't understand people who, like, stand uh, political candidates no matter what. And that includes everyone in this situation. Like, I don't want to stand a political candidate because one day they could say something that is like anti-abortion or anti-my rights. And uh, I, don't, I don't want to support someone who doesn't support me. Um, and also... Like, in, in the age of 2020, when, um, you know, Roe v. Wade is what? How old is it? 1973. 83, 93, 2003, 2013. We're 47 years old, right? 47. Mm -hmm. So, when Roe v. Wade is 47 years old, and there has been um, more and more support for um, abortion access... I don't understand why people would hold so tightly to something that, like, 
it would stand uh, being anti-abortion. Like, being anti-abortion, even though the, um, you know, the uh, reasoning that you have for it has been questioned and um, reconsidered. But, like, like so much of our political and health-oriented discourse, people can only stand for anti-abortion when they have a limited or disfigured view of reproduction. I mean, I, I feel like one of the greatest disservices that we ever do to people in, in our culture is allow them to learn about reproductive health and reproductive process by only observing like generally accepted uh, media and you know movies television those kind of things like have you ever seen a birth on television the the tv like sitcom birth right i mean there's like oh 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 i'm going to labor oh oh and then like musical montage Beautiful and the baby. and the camera fades in and then all of a sudden there's this like cleaned up swaddled like you know six month old in this person's arms and you're like just so we're clear like Right, and like, you know, as, as a pastor who has often been called to the hospital to help observe a birth, because, you know, that's how our people are down in Appalachia, right? Folk, folk, yeah, everybody come in, everybody take a look. Like, I have never seen a newborn baby that isn't just as purple and red and angry in the face. I mean, the, the, the little fellas look like little Martians, God love them. I mean, and and they're literally fighting for their life because they're now outside of the womb environment. They're in a new space, and everything is different. Those children come out messy. Uh, birth has a, a messy characteristic to it that I just don't think people are prepared for when they enter that process. Birth has a smell to it, right, an odor. Uh, that is all this natural joy that comes with that. We clean that up so tidily that people think birth is solely about these clean little, and I'm, I'm going to say it, mostly little white visions of babies, right? How many times have you seen black birth depicted in media, right? Like, it, it, it happens, but not nearly as often as this kind of majoritarian white culture, you know, idealism. Folk have a real sense that that's what abortion's about. That abortion is about, you know, full-size children living or dying. When the reality is, abortion is about a person choosing whether or not that is the future that is best for them and for their family and for how they plan. And that certainly does not happen, you know, with, uh, you know, this decision around killing a baby we, we we hear this and you know the, the folk at franklin county were shouting this at people in the voting line joe biden is a baby killer now first off like i, I don't i don't care what you think about either one of the candidates running for president i don't think either one of the candidates who are running for president have much ability to kill much of anything right Coming from Appalachia, right, like coming from a strong hunting tradition, 
there are some people who you can just look at and you know they have never killed anything for their own food before. Like, they've never had to slaughter a chicken or a hog or, you know, go out in the woods and get a deer, right? Like, I can tell you with 100% accuracy that both Donald Trump and Joe Biden are not farming their own hogs, right? Much less yeah. going out and killing a baby. Come on now. Come mm -hmm. on now, people. Like, so, so to yeah. be in that place where you are going to stand for this anti-abortion, you have to completely distort your, your idea, not only of what birth is, but also of what these, these people are capable of. You know, you just have to live in a fantasy land. Not only do these people live in a fantasy land where, uh, you know, births are clean and perfect and white, uh, but also, they're living in a fantasy land where people don't know their best decisions Preach. for themselves. And uh, where, you know, I think there's this 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 um, parenting concept that also needs to be mostly gotten rid of, um, which I think is kind of the way that this is continuing into anti-abortion logic. Uh, but there's this idea that, like, you know your parent always knows best for you. And and that may be true. Your your parent has, like, you know, good um, ideas for, like, what will be the best thing. They may have good thoughts on, like, whether or not you should do a certain thing or um, act a certain way because they have experience that you don't have. But the thing is that uh, every person has their own autonomy and should have the ability to to choose how to live their life regardless of if that is what their parents think is no. best. And I think that um, I've been reading a book called, or I read a book called Raising White Kids last week that was just like this different way of looking at children that um, I've just not seen before where, you know, you you treat children as if they have autonomy and can think for themselves and like have conversations like with that in mind. And I think that's something that just like needs to be in everyday life because this idea that like oh like mom knows best or dad knows best or like whatever um is infiltrating into oh I see myself as a parent figure and obviously I know better than you the inferior whatever if if dynamic, if I you know? ever write a book about being a mm -hmm. pastor of people who parent children I'm going to call it the idolatry of the nuclear family because you're exactly right. And I, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say mother knows best, right? It's father knows best. It's that patriarchal nuclear family BS that never really worked when it was the norm among suburban middle-class whites in this country. And it still doesn't work. But people have this idea, this paternalistic idea that like, Oh, well, you know, children need that strong hand of a father and women need that too because, you know, y'all are hysterical. I mean, at least once a month you get mad at people for no reason at all, right? Like all of that BS, that shaming, that kind of, you know, bodily uh, process. And yeah, I, it, it's, it's too much. It's way too much. What yeah. would it look like if we trusted our children more than we do and like just like how like it, it 
as we begin to like you know uh imagine that future where we like trust children as individual humans and like the goal of parenting is rather to like help these little humans find their way um rather than like owning them as your children and seeing them as yours and controlling their futures and (laughs) what you decide is best for them um like what how does that like translate into other parts of society like when you stop uh deciding that you always know best for your children and you can always make the best decisions for them um not taking into account like what they may be thinking and feeling uh how does that translate into how you treat other people you know if you stop thinking that way about your children like how much more freedom does that provide Mm. for other people who with your um the the people that you've been helping to elect or uh the policies that you support or the you know the ideas that you are standing um (laughs) as you as you like disconnect your ownership of your children like that can lead to so much more freedom for the people that you have been putting that same mindset on but it's um, almost like we're a whole community ha 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 yeah community care we could be a whole community um and so this weekend um just to kind of bring it back to self-care and community care um i spent time and read like two whole books um both by adrian marie brown who i am obsessed with um uh adrian marie brown uh is uh, a doula and an academic and a self defined um pleasure activist and so she has books called there's one that um we are reading called emergent strategy um that ohio rcrc will be reading um in the next few weeks um and then there's her second book called pleasure activism um which is the the politics of feeling good and i i bought this book earlier this year and as terry can see it has a lot of little tabbies there's lots of highlighting well highlighting in here um the bind is broken (laughs) um i really love this book and um, i bought it earlier this year at a gay bookshop in canada um back when we could leave the country Um, (laughs) way back when and it was i really bought it on a whim but i've been reading this book um and she talks a lot about um what it means to pursue your own pleasure and how that transforms the way that you see community care and Um, self-care and so this book has been really great and this weekend I decided to listen to it over um a Spotify playlist called stress relief which is just like instrumentals of like ethereal music um and it was an experience and honestly I felt so serene this weekend um and another book or the other book I read was emergent strategy I already said that um but she talks about this idea of transforming the systems that um or have not been fitting us and creating something that is better and actually serves us. Um, and I think like, this is, this is kind of like a season for, uh, getting rid of the things that don't serve you and holding on to the things that do serve you. And so, um, I would definitely, I think one good, uh, I would definitely recommend like reading things that, that give you hope for the future. Um, and I would definitely recommend both of these books by Adrienne Marie Brown. I mean, I will recommend everything by her. 
Uh, she's coming out with a book in a few days called um, We Will Not Cancel Us, and I've already ordered it. Wait, 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 <laughs> um, wait, wait. Are you standing Adrian Marie Brown? Is that, is that what's going on here? Because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying it. It sounds an awful lot like yeah. <laughs> I am a big fan of hers I in this present it. moment. I don't. Love I don't foresee it. her doing something that will make me <laughs> regret this. Um, I've said that she's my academic crush. Um. But anyway, I don't. I don't foresee her doing anything that will make me regret standing her. Just. But I'm not going to say that I stand just, her. Just laying that out there. Just the we case. might we, we we might write to her and be like, hey, listen, we got we got this. But then friend. now she's going to hear me not say that I'm standing. I don't know. This is I, a bad situation. I don't know. You never know. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, no, Adrienne Marie Brown is great, and um, I definitely support her. I'm a fan of hers. She's my academic she's crush. Pretty amazing. I will use all those. Pretty but amazing. I reserve stand for. Um, I don't know what I reserve stand for, actually. Um, but yeah, so uh, these books and other books about restorative justice, I have a book that's called, like, Healing Justice, and I bought this other book called Beyond Survival, um, which is about uh, strategies and stories from the transformative justice movement. I'm doing a thesis on transformative and restorative justice, and so these are the things that really give me joy, that make me think that there is um, a future out there that can be um, good for all of us. And so uh, I would definitely recommend, you know, in these times where it, it feels like the ground is so unsteady and that the future is so unknown, sometimes the seeing the people who have been imagining new uh, systems for years can be encouraging. So, um yeah, that's, that's my form of self-care that I would recommend to people. What is the form of self-care that you would recommend? For me, I find setting aside time for you that is unplanned and unstructured is one of the most helpful things in my life. I make sure I try to take at least one Sabbath day a week. Being a pastor, being a Christian pastor, I really believe in um, Sabbath as a concept of rest and of renewal and open space. Not all the time do I get to set aside a whole day every single week. I really try. But I make sure at least once a month to have an unstructured Sabbath. I do set aside at least one full day where I have no chores. I do all my chores before and after. I move absolutely everything that I have to do out of that space. And I let myself wake up, whatever time I wake up, no alarm clock, no expectations on my day. And I try through the whole day to release expectations. Because I'm a list kind of guy. I'm a planner. I'm a Myers-Briggs type J. I'm very judgmental about like, I, I have to have lists. Like I, I have to live in the list. And I will find myself like, you know, you wake up, you get in the shower and in the middle of the shower, you're like, and then I'm gonna have breakfast and then I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna do that. And it's all gonna be done before 11 o'clock, right? I just take time to say, no, it's okay. If you get up 
if you get that shower, if you start fixing breakfast, and all of a sudden you want to do something else, you do not have to apologize to yourself for being off schedule because there is no schedule today. Releasing that productivity, that, that schedule-mindedness, for me, that's the biggest self-care that I can give. So that when I'm then looking at the rest of the world, and I feel like the rest of the world is off schedule, I feel like we're not as far as we need to be in terms of equality for LGBT folk. We're not as far along as what we need to be in terms of justice for black lives that still matter. Black lives still matter today, right? Like when I realize that the whole world is just not where it ought to be, I can acknowledge that, yeah, that's okay because we're going to move it. I have hope because we're going to move it. Like me in the morning on the way to get that breakfast from the shower, I'm going to move it and make it happen because we will see this through. It might not be on my time frame. It might not be exactly when I want it, but we're going to get it. We don't have to worry as much about when as we worry about what. That's my self-care. And let me tell you, after a whole day of getting to do as I please, when I please, I get real sassy and I'm hard to deal with sometimes. <laughs> so just like a warning to everybody in the world that after I have had my big, like, you know, wonderful Sabbath time, um, you, you, you don't want to try me. You, you don't want to try me or that spirit because it's going to happen, you know. It's going to be there. Mm. I'm looking forward to No Neglect November, though. I'm, I'm looking forward to... Yeah. I think it'll be needed regardless of what goes on. I mean, like, if we, if we win uh, and, you know, reproductive rights wins in this election, then we will still have to deal with uh, lame duck. Like, that's still going to be a thing that happens regardless. Um, and if we, if, if, <laughs> if we lose, I try not to think about that. But uh, we will definitely need to be caring for ourselves um, in the future. So, um, and and the fact is, yeah. no matter who wins or loses any race at any point in time, our job remains the same, and that is holding people to account for how mm -hmm. their behavior and positions and decisions impact people, how they impact the care of people. Mm. Yeah, so, well, that's all the time for this episode for today, um, and it has been good talking to you. We will be talking again in two days um, with some kind of attitude, who knows what it'll be, um, and we'll be talking about, um, you know, what, what comes next, so I guess I'll see you Wednesday. Woo! I'll see you on the other side of this election. We hope. Ha, 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 ha.